Welcome, I'm Brooke Thompson, and this is Modern Mental Health. The first person I interviewed was a counseling therapist based out of Fredericton, New Brunswick, in private practice. Her name is Cynthia. First question, um, are you currently aware of any research projects being done in the province regarding mental health? So, that was actually a good question. I was reading your email last night. Um, you know, I guess I'm, I was kind of in my own little, I'm in my own little bubble here. I'm a private practitioner, which means that I just, um, I have my own clinic and I'm, I'm the only one that's practicing out of it. So I'm not really, um, you know, in tune, I guess, or aware of what's going on, uh, you know, on a provincial level in terms of research projects. So uh, it was a great opportunity for me to do some research on my own. Um, and, of course, lots came up. But I did want to hone in on one that, uh, that came up that I thought was really interesting, especially for this research project. Um, so UNB... I believe it's UNB Fredericton, the psychology program um, has a group of students that are, that, that have essentially a research project that, that they're currently conducting, um, and it, its hope is to implement um, new research on mental health services and strategies for classmates. So from what I've read online, and there's a, a link actually, a CTV article that I found, that was published um, just on January 2nd, so four days ago, very recent. Um, and basically what, I'm, what I've read from it is that um, they're, again, they're trying to help implement new mental health services and strategies for their classmates. Um, they're working with the university's mental health strategist, which is really awesome that they have that person on board. Um, they're trying to create positive, inclusive, and safe uh, learning environments for all. Um, so I thought that was really interesting um, that that was going on just next door to you, essentially, from where you're at. I'm oh. so glad that it's, like, the actually getting, like, televised and talked about because not a lot of people know about the research that's going in on, um, like, the mental health system of New Brunswick and, like, mm -hmm. mental health in general. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, so important yeah. because so many people around us and in our province are affected by this. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So, I, yeah, I'm also very um, encouraged to hear that, that this is going on. And like I said, when I did you know, a quick search last night, I saw there was lots of stuff that was kind of coming up and popping up and whatnot. And, you know, I, I have um, uh, a former um, peer colleague of mine who is a PhD candidate, Chris Sam, so where I'm at. And she's doing a research project as well. Um, and, you know, I know that because of COVID, the last few years or I guess the last year or so has been um, really difficult I think for a lot of research uh, researchers to actually implement you know their their studies and uh, research practices so it's been hard I think for a lot of people to actually get going but hopefully people are kind of pivoting and are, are finding ways of doing it virtually yeah yeah no definitely and I find now that 
with um, COVID, the news is, like, mostly focused on COVID and, like, the cases going on. Mm-hmm. And so a lot mm-hmm. of the things that used to be talked about a lot more is now getting drowned out with all of the COVID talk and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, no, that was definitely one that I thought was worth uh, bringing up and highlighting. Um because it, like I said, it's very new and it, uh, and it's just, you know, in the community of Butterfun. So it's pretty, it's local. Yeah. All right. My second question was, what are your positive and negative things about the mental health system of New Brunswick? Right. So, I mean, I'm sure you'll hear this kind of repeated with your other research participants, but I, I would say that a negative or a con um, to our current mental health system of New Brunswick is how understaffed, I guess we are, how there are not, uh, there aren't enough of us that, you know, um, what's happening is that the lack or the shortage of mental health professionals reflected in the wait time. So lots of people, myself included, lots of mental health professionals, myself included, have long wait times. Um, and it's very discouraging because if someone is looking for help for assistance, they're looking for it now, right? Or, or you know, in a relatively um, short amount of time. So when people are calling or reaching out to a professional because they're in distress or they're, they've, they've come to a, you know, a crossroad and they're looking for help in that, in that particular moment or, you know, like I said, within a reasonable amount of time. So when you tell them, you know, there's a wait list, potentially six months to a year long, that's not sufficient, right? So these people aren't getting the help that they need necessarily. So that would be a con, would be the lack of mental health professionals that are available. And like I said, with that, the reflected long wait time. Now, a positive, or I, I would consider a pro, um, so I belong to uh, the New Brunswick College of Counseling Therapists, and we're a very new college. Um, you know, we've been formed in the last, five five or so years. So in the last five or so years, uh, a new wave of mental health professionals are being recognized. And that's, again, what, that's the umbrella that I fall under, which is what we call a licensed counseling therapist. Um, and so now we have, of course, you have your social workers who graduate with a master's degree in social work and are generally trained uh, enough to be able to be a healthy professional in that capacity with counselors. You have psychologists, of course, and then now you have us, licensed counseling therapists. So there's a whole new wave of professionals that are currently, you know, that are graduated or will be graduated uh, and qualify uh, to to open up practice and to work um, as a mental health professional. So hopefully that will um, alleviate some of that backlog a little bit. And I guess if I can add one more thing to the negatives, I guess, 
uh, the cons is that, you know, not only is it a long wait time and not only are we, you know, are we not enough in the province, um, insurance companies and coverage, I think, mental health coverage in general, uh, they're not, I don't think they're necessarily up to date with the professionals that are available to help. So, for example, licensed counseling therapists are just kind of up and coming, right, the last five years or so. There are some major insurance companies um, that have recognized us and that cover us. So, for example, if you're looking for, you know, if, if Brooke is looking for uh, some assistance, she has Blue Cross, she can go to me, and I can build Blue Cross. You don't have to pay very much of a pocket. But a lot of people don't have that. So a lot of people have different insurance companies uh, that cover them for um, health and dental, and their health insurance plan just doesn't recognize licensed counseling therapists. So it would only recognize social workers and psychologists. So that really limits their ability, uh, that limits their options, right? That limits who they can actually seek for help. So insurance companies, number one, I feel like there has to be uh, more awareness um, on a an upper level of who is available to provide those services, who's qualified and licensed to provide services, so to include LCTs, licensed counseling therapists. But in addition to that, add more add more money because <laughs> a lot of people come with like four or five hundred dollars, and that's really only good for a couple sessions. But you know, you really only scratch the service with a couple sessions. The more money as well. Yes, I totally agree. All of those were like are so important and I find it mm-hmm. just goes unrecognized and a lot mm-hmm. of like the insurance companies are just keeping to their original um like their original agreement instead of like changing it because mm-hmm. like there's yeah like so many people are affected by this and they can't go see people for help because they don't have yes. the resources for it. Exactly. Exactly. That's really well said. Exactly. They don't have the resources for it. So it's up to the insurance companies. And I know our college, like the College of Counseling Therapists of New Brunswick, we're, we have advocates and lobbyists that go and advocate on our behalf to these insurance companies. And like I said, there's been a shift in the last few years anyways where the major insurance companies, like I said, Blue Cross is one of them, um, that have picked us up. And they said, oh, yeah, these people are licensed, and we are more than happy to provide coverage to our employees who have this kind of coverage for, for this person, for this, you know, this type of, of practitioner. But, I mean, it's just that's one of many, right? There's so many more insurance companies out there that need to follow, <laughs> follow suit. Um, would you say that one list is longer than the other? Like your pros and cons list? Well, um, <laughs> well, I think my my cons list, like the, the negative things are, are, are obviously to me, um, how, should, how can I say this? <clears throat> I'm seeing more of an impact with the negative. Like, I, I, I understand that there's positive, like I mentioned, the licensed counseling therapist uh, being, you know, recognized on a more provincial and national level. 
is a positive, and that's something that's kind of slowly becoming more and more apparent. But the negative being that there are such a shortage of, of mental health professionals and that the insurance companies are not necessarily covering more inclusively everyone who is um, available or, or licensed, that's, we're seeing the impact of that now, right? So if more insurance companies were to say, oh, yeah, LCPs, licensed cancer therapists, we can cover them. Oh, yeah, let's add more money to people's pots, right, insurance pots, to be able to provide more services, then you, you could potentially start seeing more of a shift. But because it's, the positive is still only slowly starting to become, to become recognized, I feel like the negative is definitely more prominent. If I, should, I could put it like that, it's more prominent. Yeah, I I agree, and it's, like, oftentimes you see the negative, um, like, in, throughout, like, social media, and, like, um, like, on the news, and you just see the negative more than the positive, especially where, um, there's, like, not a whole bunch of resource for everyone to, um, like, go to in times like this, because it had, like, studies have shown that because of COVID, uh, mental health, um, uh, there's more people with mental health issues than before. And so, um, there's also the issue that, um, people, like, um, there is, um, practices being closed because they don't have the funding for it, um, and stuff like that. Uh, so it's like, it's really important to start, start showing the positive sides of things. Cause I feel like yeah. that would also yeah. lift everyone else's, yeah, you know, absolutely. Spirit, right? yes, Spirit exactly. Sometimes really low, you know, I, I agree. And also shining a light on the positive, shining a light on how, you know, again, I'm speaking on behalf of a, a licensed counseling therapist. So that, that of course, is kind of a bias of mine in terms of the positive is that we do have a whole new wave um, of professionals who are now eligible and capable and competent to provide services. Um, but but that's something that should be made aware because a lot of people who come to see me, especially, they they really don't know the difference, right? They, they don't know the difference display between a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a social worker or a licensed counseling therapist. So, it, it, you know, they kind of just clump it all as one. And if they were short, you know, we have shortage of all, of all mental health professionals. And yes, we do. But we have also this new wave of professionals who are being recognized. And so that's important to also shine a light on. And with shining a light on that, the hope is that it gets the attention of, you know, the higher up, the people in insurance, the people in government. Um to say, oh, yeah, look, we have this wave of people who are now able to provide services. So why don't we use that resource, right? It's like we're here. Why not use this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Where is the first place people should go when looking for help? Um, Well, if they have a family doctor, I would recommend, you know, Touch, you know, touching the base with your family doctor, explaining that you're going through something, maybe they can help, right? I mean, I know not everybody has a family doctor, which is also um, 
an issue in the province. But if you do have a family doctor, even you know an after-hours clinic that you're able to drop into um, and explain that you're suffering or that you're experiencing difficulty, they might be able to help you know provide some level of support right there on the spot, but then also provide um, suggestions or recommendations for mental health professionals in the area. A lot of them have a compiled list or should have a compiled list. Um, another place, of course, I mean, a Google search is always, you know, I think a lot of people just do that. Um, but for licensed counseling therapists, we have two websites um, that you can access. So the first website, and then within those websites, I should clarify, there are directories. So directories just literally a list of professionals that are regulated and are associated with that. Um, with that association, and so they would be able to provide services. So the first is uh, what's called CCTNB. So that is, and I'm just going to bring it up here on my um, on my end so that I can, can I can guide you a little bit better. But it's the um, <clears throat> sorry, the College's Counseling Therapists of New Brunswick. So CCTNB.ca is one website. College of Counseling Therapists in New Brunswick, and then literally the homepage of that website, <clears throat> there are, <clears throat> excuse me, there's just drop downs, like home, about us, find members, become a member. And so um, you can literally search for a practitioner in your area or in the not only like geographical area, but the area. Um, the scope of practice. So if you're looking for someone for depression, if you're looking for someone for anxiety, then um, then this website will can kind of narrow down people who are listed as practicing under those particular scopes of practice. So CCTNB would be one resource, and that's just for New Brunswick, because it's the College of Counseling Therapists New Brunswick website. The second... Um, website that I would recommend or that I would um, provide as a resource is CCPA. So CCPA stands for the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association. And so that's more of a national website. So the first I gave you is just for the province, and this one, CCPA.ca, is for it's Canadian. And within this, you can also find um, certified counselors. So, again, there's on the top of the website, there's find a CCC, which is stands for Canadian Certified Counselor. And then within this, you can search people in that specialize in certain areas and that are located in certain geographical areas. So, both are really helpful uh, resources. And then, of course, I'll give you a third website, and it is Psychology Today. So Psychology Today um, is one of the more popular websites that lots of people just end up on. If they just do a quick Google search, then usually a Psychology Today um, website will come up with a particular clinician. So, but they can just go right to psychologytoday.com, and you just... It says find on um, the homepage of the find a therapist. It asks you to type in your postal code or your, or your city, and then a list of therapists in your city.
city or close to your city will pop up. Perfect. Um, are you aware of the average wait time um, for people seeking urgent mental health care? So, anyone who who's seeking urgent mental health care, so they are suicidal um, or you know, they're, they're risk to themselves, which is what I would classify or, or what I would um, define as someone, someone who, who's in need of urgent mental health care. You can go to the ER. You can go to the emergency room, which I know, I mean, there's so much about that right now online too and, and in the media about not going to the ER, but if you are um, having any sort of suicidal ideation or you are feeling like you are not safe to be on your own at home, then going to the emergency room is the quickest way to get some support. Um, now, I know again, there's been, you know, there are, been, there are people who have done that and who haven't gotten the support that they needed, but that's that's who I would recommend um, to get the quickest, you know, like the within an hour, like you can whatever, however long it takes you to get to the hospital, essentially, right? That's the quickest way. Um, there, I mean, because like we had talked about a little bit earlier, like the wait times are long, right? To get to see um, to see someone in a non-urgent capacity. So urgent, you gotta go to the hospital. Um, I'll also give you, and I'm sure you've heard of this, but the Chemo Helpline. That is also um, an anonymous uh, help center that you can call in. It's all just sent through phone, and it's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, or should be. And um, so it's just a 1-800 number, and if someone's feeling, um, you know, overwhelmed, again, it wouldn't be to the point, I think, where it was at that, you know, the urgent, like, I, I don't feel safe right now, because if it's that, then it's going to be the hospital. But this would be a, a great resource if you're starting to feel that. Again, it's immediate, right? It's you call and get that help right away. What precautions are taken when people go in seeking urgent mental health care? So can you, yeah, when I read that question, I wasn't sure. I was going to ask you for some clarification on that one. Yeah, so I kind of, like, um, if someone goes to you, um, like, as a client, and mm -hmm. uh, they do express that they are in need of, like, um like, need to be somewhere other than home alone because they are having, like, mm -hmm. suicidal thoughts. What precautions are taken? So, I mean, if, if I, as a, as a private practitioner, um, have a client, and the client comes to me and says, you know, I'm having suicidal thoughts, and I go through what we call um, assist, right? The assist. Um, step, which is um, a suicide 
like suicide intervention. Um, that's what it is, essentially. So we're, we're looking to intervene to see, okay, we're trying to not only evaluate or, I guess, um, I'm trying to find the word here, but we're not only trying to better understand what risk we're dealing with, so to have a better idea of what, what is the actual risk here. Are we having suicidal thoughts? Are they coming and going? Or do we actually have, are we actually suicidal? Do we have a plan in place? So that's kind of, you know, using the assist approach helps the practitioner understand um, where our client is at and the level of risk. Okay. And assist is spelled, I just want to make sure I spell it because it's not spelled like regular assist, but assist is A-S-I-S-T. So that's, as a practitioner, kind of the first step um, is, to, is to use that approach to see to where, does my, where is my client, where is the level of risk, where does that level of risk lie? Is it high level of risk or is it more of a lower moderate? If it's a lower moderate, then we go through and we try to figure out, okay, well, can we, can we work through this together? Is this something that we can work through together? And, of course, more frequent um, appointments might be needed in the short term, um, more frequent checking from, a, from, from me, from a practitioner, so checking in maybe once a day through email, you know, how it's going, um, or by phone, of course. If it's more of a high-level risk that's, being assessed at that point, then again the hospital, right? Going to the going to the hospital to get psychiatric help at that point would be necessary. And um, were there any additional protocols implemented after the Lexi Dakin incident? So I actually um, I heard about. Lexi Dakin um, incident, and I and I heard about it when it would have happened. I and I guess that would have happened if it just the past September, the beginning of the fall. Uh, it was uh, February. Oh, it was February. Okay. Um. So February twenty twenty one, right? So it was the beginning yeah. of the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I heard about it at that point, and I, I remember feeling um, definitely a sense of dread, a sense of dread. Um, you know, I, I felt so, so strongly for, obviously, her family and her friends and her peers and, you know, her whole community. And I also felt dread for other people who are in similar in a similar situation. So, um when I was, you know, upon doing some more research, um, you know, there are some things, of course, that the government, because it, it got such, so much attention on a provincial and a national level, that, of course, the government picked it up and they said, okay, what, what do we, what can we do? What can we do to, what can we learn from this um, horrific event? And how can we present this from ever happening again. Um, so what I what I've come across um, were twelve recommendations, and I don't know if um, if the 
those recommendations if, if you've heard of them or not. But essentially, um, they're government recommendations um, that include, for example, and there's, I, I can send you the link to them actually, but um, like, for example, training for all professionals who are working in child and youth mental health, um, the creation of provincial strategies for child and youth rights, the creation of a, ch- of a youth-led child and youth health health rights um, um, advisory council. So there are things currently that are recommended on a government level. I think big picture, ERs, like emergency rooms, where that is your first point of contact if you're in an urgent situation, in an urgent mental health situation, they need to change, right? So you need to have more trained frontline healthcare professionals, the ones that are meeting you at, at the ER. They need to be more trained in psychiatric cases. So they need to be better trained in the ability to evaluate and assess psychiatric um, cases, people who are presenting psychiatric emergencies. Um, and of course, the big, you know, another big picture is there needs to be more professionals. There needs to be more professionals um, that can help, that can that can be there, um, so that these kinds of situations just don't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah. because you are in like a more private, um, like privately owned. Thing, did anything change for you guys specifically or no I mean for us specifically no um unfortunately no you know I I think like when we're talking about you know the clinicians for example myself it's very we're looking at it from a very micro lens right so looking at it very focused in and what we need to do, I think, is look at it from a more macro point of view. And so what I mean by that is kind of zooming out and saying, okay, here's the system. Like, you know, I am a piece of the system, right? I am a piece, I'm a piece of the quilt that we call the mental health system. There are many of me, um, but not enough. <laughs> and so we have to really zoom out and okay, what's the, what are the big problems here? What, how could we, how can we, as a province prevent such a tragedy from happening ever again. A tragedy such as what happened with Lexi. And, um, you know, I'd like to believe that anybody, whether it be a teenager, a young adult, anyone at any point in their life, if they are in crisis, if they have a mental health professional that they can call and that they can get into seeing a reasonable amount of time similar to a doctor, then you'll get that help that you need, right? Or that person will be able to then branch out and look at resources to help you. They can't actually help you. But it's like a doctor, right? I mean, if you're not feeling well and and you're sitting with, with whatever ailment you have, if you sit with it for too long, it's going to grow and grow and grow. It's, you know, unless it's something that, of course, a cold or whatever, that just goes away. But you need to seek, you need to seek care, right? So it's the same thing. It's the same thing 
mental health, it's physical and mental, right? It's often talked about that, you know, let's eliminate the stigma of mental health issues. Because if we were talking about physical, we could not, there would be no, there would not be a stigma associated. We wouldn't be shamed into talking about it. So, you know, we have to treat both very similarly. If we're struggling from a mental health perspective, it's as important as a physical ailment. And so people need resources in their community. And there's just not enough of us. Like I said, there's a wave of new people. We have the licensed counseling therapists who are coming in. Great. Let's recognize them. Let's continue to recognize them. And let's really um, provide them with that spotlight that they need in hopes of, you know, the people who are providing coverage to recognize. Like, that's kind of macro, right? We're looking at it from the outside. We're looking at it zoomed out. And I think that doing that, providing not only more or having more people and providing more training is the answer. And I think that that's what's recognized on a government level, right? It's like, okay, we need more people, we need more training. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, that, I think we've covered it. I was surprised. I was looking at the questions. I said, I don't know if we'll be able to fill in 20 minutes, but here we are on minute 35. Yeah, I, <laughs> so I we, have we about... we covered quite a bit, but I mean, those were good questions, Brooke. They're oh, thank good you. Questions, and I wish you all of the luck with the rest of your interviews. Thank you so and much. And do not hesitate. If anything else comes up, um, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you so much. No problem.